Hello and welcome to the Hidden Lives podcast. My name is Eva and I work with our Australia team. And I'm Subin and I work with the Nepal team. This podcast shares about the lives of people we've met during our work with the Leprosy Mission. Please note, the opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of the Leprosy Mission. The Leprosy Mission works towards the eradication of leprosy worldwide. For those who do not know yet what leprosy is, it is a neglected tropical disease that affects some of the poorest people in the world. If you want to learn more, please visit the Leprosy Mission Australia website. Throughout our work, we meet a lot of amazing people who are often hidden or forgotten by society because of having leprosy or other disabilities. In this podcast, we want to share their stories with you. In today's episode, we want to introduce you to a woman called Umila. She's 25 years old and she runs a small mobile snack shop. Did she run it nearby the Indian border? Yes, around like 100 meters from the border. Oh, I believe I met her during one of my trips to the locality. Oh, awesome. Can you tell me a bit about what it was like when you met her? So when I met her, she had not just started her mobile snack shop. She was only planning to start it. And she was a part of one of our self-help groups and was taking training for business plans. Ah, so you met her pretty early on then during yes. this time. By the time that I had met her, she was she did not have a stable source of income and was looking to fend off for herself and her daughters. Mm. So I remember she was telling me a bit about her background. So she had married young and she had had three children. She was telling me that her oldest daughter was around 14, which would mean that she must have had her when she was 11 or 12. Yeah, she had, she married quite young. And then she also had her first child quite young. And if I remember correctly, she did say that her husband passed away as well. Mm, yes. I remember her saying that when the self-help group first formed, she was actually really reluctant to join because she didn't have an income. She didn't see how she could start earning or start a business on her own. Yeah, I think this is also a good point to talk about the self-help groups themselves as well. So through our work with the Leprosy Mission, we established and formed self-help groups that includes people affected by disability, affected by leprosy and also marginalized people who are left behind by society. And for someone like Urmila, the concept of self-help group often extends only to people affected by leprosy or disability. So she could have felt that it does not necessarily cater to her needs. So which is why she might be reluctant to join the group in itself. Mm -hmm. But it sounds like when you met her, she was already convinced that potentially these groups would be helpful for her. Yes. So by the time that I met her, she was, I think it was one of her first classes with the self-help group and she was learning business plans. And remember how we talked about her having a mobile snack shop, but she did not plan for it. Her original plan was to set up egg shop nearby the border just sell eggs. So like raw eggs yeah, from like chickens? Raw eggs from chickens <laughs> just sell those and then she's moved on to a mobile snack shop. Oh it's always really good to see how they progress in their thinking and so forth. Yeah I mean, most of it also comes from encouragement with the training facilitator as well. Mm. So I remember she told me that she borrowed money from the self-help group to purchase this snack shop cart and the equipment that she needed with it. Yeah. Uh, and when I was there, she was actually cooking away um, and serving customers on the border. Did you ever visit her shop? No, I don't think I ever got to visit her shop because when I met her, she had not just started her shop. 
so I just met her, interacted with her, and then that was the last time that I saw her. Mm. So I think by the time I saw her, she was actually doing quite well. She was cooking up. She was actually frying eggs. So yes, eggs yes, are still part of her eggs. business. Yes. <laughs> uh, she was also selling things like the rice bubble snacks yeah. uh, and just like small like chips and things like that, like more the dry foods as well. But what I thought was really awesome was she told me that business was booming and that she would have approximately like a hundred customers or more in a day. That's great, isn't it? Mm. So it was so good to hear about that. And she sort of set up her snack shop or her cart, uh, maybe around 500 meters from home. And so it meant that her children could help her out with some housework and so forth and she could still sort of watch out for them. That's a big part, isn't it, for her to be able to tell her children to help her out and ask her children for help as well. It's such a big part for her life. Yeah. So it sounded like she was doing really well and it also sounded like she had built her confidence. So initially she was so reluctant to set up or to be part of these self-help groups, but now she's actually making her loan repayments herself. And when I met her, she was saying that she was, she just recently increased her monthly loan repayments to those self-help groups. And she's actually now part of their leadership team on the board of their cooperative. What position she is in at the moment? Oh, I think she was part of the... Oh, was she chairing the group? She was either chairing the group or she was looking at uh, like treasury, I think. I'd forgotten exactly what position she took. It's great to see that she's taken up a position because when I met her, she did not have any of the leadership sort of tendencies or even desire to want a leadership position. So it's actually really great to see, to hear that she's taken over in herself. And so when I asked her about what she was worried about, she said that she was worried because her shop was set up on land that's not hers. So she was scared that the owner might one day decide to retake the land and then she would have to move somewhere else. With a cart shop, because it's mobile, you can set it up anywhere, but you also got to pay attention to which land you're setting it up on. And I think one of the highlights for me though, when I met her was actually when we tried to get a consent form from her. So we had a bit of a miscommunication at this time. And when I asked her for permission to share her story with people say in Australia or overseas, she thought that I wanted her to come to Australia with me. What was it that made it miscommunication? Uh, I'm not quite sure. I think maybe it was the way it was told. Yeah. Uh, and so she might have misunderstood what I meant when I said her story. Um, but nothing that in my travels have sort of implied a similar miscommunication. Yeah, and but I think it, it was okay. We were able to clear up the miscommunication. Yeah, it sounds like super fascinating to me as well because I do travel around in my work. And... <sighs> I've never heard of that happening, so. Yeah, so maybe it was just the way I said it or maybe something something for me to note maybe next time. Maybe teaching Nepali more. But I guess I was actually more interested in her response, okay? So if somebody said to you or wanted to invite you to go overseas to share about yourself, what, would, what might be some of the reactions that you might get? People would probably say yes. Like if you're covering all the cost as well, people are like, oh, that's fine, I'm game to go abroad. 
So for Umila, she was actually completely horrified by the idea.、Oh. She was like, "No, no, no! I can't do that. I don't have a husband, so I can't leave my community. I can't go with you because it's not appropriate." I think it boils down so much boils down to the traditional men and women role that she's grown around,、mm. and how societies have structured in the past.、Mm. So much of it comes down to that as well. Yeah. And I guess I wanted to ask a little bit more about that, or talk a little bit more about that, because I guess I didn't realize how traditional maybe some of those views had been. And for her to then have set up a shop by herself must have been actually a really brave thing for her to have done, because、yeah. she's stepping outside her norms. Would、yes. you say? People enforce them on themselves. And society also enforces them on the person. So for her to even take the courage to actually start a shop is quite a jump,、mm-hmm. which kind of could explain your miscommunication and she being horrified of not being of、um, being scared to travel abroad. But in her shutting up a shop is a change in itself that needs to be celebrated. And then a worry is gonna be if she will pass. On similar gender norms to her daughters as well, because she's got three daughters, and if she'll pass that on, because that's how sort of traditional norms keep on going. Do you think for Umila,、uh, she would have seen what she's doing is inappropriate, or do you think for her it was a confidence builder? If I were, if I was in her shoes, I would definitely be worried what the society would think of me,、mm. and if they would not like the step that I'm taking. Now with establishing a shop, but then for her it's also about survival now. So maybe at this point you just say your survival instinct kicks in, and then you got to feed yourself and got to feed your kids. So even if she, in her back of her mind, thinks that she's going against societal norms with the male classic breadwinner mentality, she has to do it because she needs herself and her kids to survive. Hmm. Yeah. From what I saw of her, this is such a big change from where she first came,、uh, where she first started,、yeah. from not、uh, wanting or being really reluctant to join the group because she couldn't see how she could make an income, to now being part of the group, thriving with her business、yeah. and increasing her own savings, which is all really great. Um, she being a part of it, and her story is really, really great. But you also got to sort of realize is not everything changes,、mm-hmm. and not all the thinkings change. Because when I met her, she did bring her this, bring up the story of how she won't be able to give dowry to her eldest daughter to marry off her daughters. So was that a worry when you met her as well? It was actually. Now that you mentioned that, so part of the reason for her,、uh, in terms of saving money from her business, was to make sure that her daughters had a good dowry, so that they could marry well in future. It's a constant worry for women, especially down in the south, and maybe in rural areas as well.、Um, the system is not so much prevalent in city areas these days because of the education and the awareness and stuff. But with rural areas, dowry is still so much present, and then we've actually heard cases of、um, women committing suicide because she was they were pressured by the groom's family to bring more dowry in, and even grooms abusing their wives because they didn't bring enough dowry. So it is a problem, and there were sort of 
protests against every time a suicide case case pops up people do protest but then so much of it is tied due to with people's thinking even though it is illegal in nepal to give and take dowry but it's tied tried to people thinking so even if law forbids it they do give it and the system is still present so for umila it must have been a really big pressure for her then knowing that she her husband wasn't there to help her make money anymore yeah. and she had to bear that responsibility yeah i mean she comes from a different community so even even if i am a nepalese person and i'm part of this society some of the things that she has to go through is completely alien to me because i was raised in a different set of circumstances and she lives in a different set of circumstances so i probably would not be the best person to talk about something that she has to go through and some pressures she has to feel but then what we do know is these pressures do exist and society pressures to give good dowry and then grooms do ask for dowry so that is something that we can confirm so i'm really glad to see how far umila's come and the confidence that she's built in herself um and also the fact that she can now see a way forward she can see that she can help her children get the dowry that they need and hopefully be able to marry well then i think the next part of her story should be her realizing that dowry is not nearly essential or is not something that should be carried forward and then giving the same education to her daughters as well maybe that's the next part of her story perhaps perhaps we will have to see yes but when you see a photo of amila she's very pretty she's got very nice dimples when she smiles <laughs> very nice dimples and she just looks so young yeah. um but also so happy at times as well uh, it doesn't it never when you look at her it doesn't look like she's got all these pressures and burdens on her um but again that is you can never you judge, can never judge. that's right it's been a great story i hope i genuinely do hope that i get to meet her again and that some of the things that we talked about here today could have changed in her life and i still say this is a story to be continued and see where her snack shop goes to mm absolutely so thank you for joining us today We hope that this story has been of interest to you. If you have any questions or want further information about Umila, uh, please send us an email at communications@leprosymission.org.au. Thank you so much. We'll catch you later. Bye.